Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. When the final buzzer sounds, the analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Alone off the draw, beaten by Helm. Back to the point, whistled on that rebound, score! And Colorado's won the series. Arturi Lekkinen, a minute 19 into overtime, and the Avalanche are heading to the Stanley Cup final. Well, that's how the Edmonton Oilers season ends in overtime for the second straight year in a sweep for the second straight year. This year in the Western Conference Final against the Colorado Avalanche, a highly entertaining game four tonight at Rogers Place. The Oilers did have the lead and were looking good. 3-1 going to the third. They were up 4-2 with 16 minutes left. Couldn't hold it and in fact had to get a late tying goal from Zach Cassian just to force overtime. And then early in overtime, just a minute 19, Arturi Lekkonen off a face-off win, goes back to the point. McCarr shoots it in. Lekkonen knocks it down, not ruled to be a high stick. Fires in his own rebound as he was left all alone in front. And that does it. The Oilers are eliminated. 6-5 is the final. We're live in Studio 99 for the final time this season. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown for Heartland Ford overtime open line. Well, Rob, uh, entertaining game. Uh, unfortunately, the Oilers can't extend their season. And I, I guess we'll start kind of with a game focus tonight. Disappointing, even against the high-powered avalanche, you can't hold a couple of two-goal two leads in the third. Yeah, in all honesty, uh, when they scored the 4-2 goal, I thought the game was over. I thought that was enough to... Uh, push the Colorado Avalanche into thinking about, okay, we got them at home ice, uh, we'll, we'll worry about them then. Uh, but the Colorado had, had a push. And the one thing that we saw in this entire series is defensively the Oilers weren't as strong as they had been leading up to the playoffs and in the first round. Uh, in this series, they would have had to, as I said upstairs with Bob, they would have had to score eight in game one, five in game two, five in game three, and they would have needed six tonight. Those aren't playoff-type numbers for you to score goals. So uh, there were defensive lapses. The Colorado Avalanche are a much stronger team than the two previous teams the Oilers played, and they took full advantage of it. So uh, a highly entertaining game. Uh, mistakes both ways. Uh, both teams able to capitalize it. But as the third period wore on, and then when you went into overtime, there was that thought. The first team that puts a puck on net has a chance of winning this hockey game because neither team was getting uh, the save at the end. Pucks were just finding ways through. Not that they were horrible goals, but they were finding ways through. Tonight was a goal-scoring game, or goal-scorers game, and it was a, a... Whenever teams win championships, we talked about it before, they're going to look back over their stretch 
about the bounces or the breaks they got. And Colorado got some big breaks early in this uh, series and then a wonderful bounce for them in the overtime where they get up close to high stick and the puck bounces in the right spot. Kind of an interesting scenario there and I've confirmed this with a couple of people and they did review it and actually the linesman waved it off. Right I saw away. that, yep. There was a linesman yeah, saying absolutely. no, no, no. So this is the fun and I honestly think the NHL should change this or standardize it. If the puck goes into the net, the standard is the crossbar. If the puck does not go into the net, the standard is the shoulder. So you could you could knock a puck out of the air above the height of the crossbar, but a, below the height of your shoulder, have it stopped, and then whap in the rebound. I did not know that. Yeah, and I've, I've double-checked. And a that's a big tonight. difference because what if Char is the one that's deflecting the puck? I mean, he could bat it down off the goalie and then shoot yeah, the puck in. Well, yeah, he can bat it down. It could be two feet above the yeah. crossbars. And so. that one was very clear. If Smith, hypothetically, had, if Smith had just stepped out of the way on that shot, I still think it would have counted. But it would have been, been closer. It would have been very close. Absolutely. Uh, it yeah, but, uh, pretty close. But uh, anyway, so uh, the Oilers lose 6-5 in overtime. Plenty to talk about. Let's go down to the Hall of Fame room. Here's head coach Jay Woodcroft. Hey, where did you find the life to get this game going in your favor in the second period tonight? And how did it get away from you later? Well, um, it was a... You know, I thought it was a cautious start for us. And then in the second period, we talked about, um, you know, getting on our toes. And, um, you know, there's some weird stuff that happened in that second period. And that led to us shortening the bench. And uh, we got into a little bit of rhythm and, and were able to build a lead. Um, I thought that game felt like a boxing match with two good teams uh, throwing punches. And um, in the end, they found a way to win. And it's a credit to them and their team they did a good job in the middle so much offense uh jay uh, you had a couple of leads and letting those leads get away obviously that's tough in a game you know what yeah. you say about obviously the ability to score was there but in the end the ability to, to fend them off in the big moments yeah uh, you use the word moments there i thought there were moments in the game that uh, we'd like to do better um in the end uh you know um they're a really good team. They pushed hard, and um, they came back, but so did we. We know there was no give up or, um, you know, people uh, not fighting till the bitter end. Our, our group pushed as hard as we could. We, we emptied the tank with everything that we had, and as I said, it's a credit to Colorado for uh, the game they played tonight, but also the series. They, they played very well. Up front, Mark. There was a time when playoff hockey meant a lot of 2-1 games. Uh, you guys didn't play many of those this spring. Can you, going forward, can this be a team that, that plays the way you're playing and win playing 4-3-5 for hockey, or, or does the destination have to include a much tighter defensive game? Well, I would say that, you know, from February 11th on, we played a pretty tight game uh, defensively. The way the playoffs worked, or the way the playoffs worked, um, we lost three one-goal hockey games in this series. Uh, there was a couple empty net goals here or there in games one and game three. Um, that's a function of the way the game was being played. Uh, can we do better uh, defensively? We can. We scored five goals tonight. Should be enough to win a game. Um, it didn't work out for us tonight. Um, I think if you look back, spec to that day in, in February, the team was where it was. And um, 
We got to the third round of the playoffs. We learned some hard lessons. Uh, we're utterly disappointed with not um, finding a way to win tonight's game. But in the in the grand scheme or the big picture of things, um, you know, I think our team's taken a step this year. Right side. Okay, I was going to get to that because um, you use the word bullish a lot to describe this team. Yeah. Um, getting to the conference final, how would you describe this group now? Well, I think, um, as I said, we're utterly disappointed with uh, not. Uh, being able to move on and not finding a way to close out tonight's game. So that's the first thing. Uh, I think that's a credit to uh, our opponent. Uh, I think we learned some lessons uh, in our journey here this spring. We're playing hockey, I think today's June 6th. We're playing hockey on June 6th. Uh, in order to accomplish that and be one of the final four teams, you've done some good things. And I don't think we can lose sight of that. But there's a lot more required in order to find a way uh, to get to the Stanley Cup final. And then there's more required um, to win the trophy. Uh, but... I, I go back to that date on February 11th. We were sitting a healthy margin outside of the playoffs. And uh, we asked that group of players uh, to play hard for each other, to sacrifice, to commit. And we're not here today if that group didn't do that. So I, I'm, uh, I'm proud of our people. Jay, just uh, about on that, you know, the guy, the guy, a lot of guys with injuries, you know, Donar told us about the tornado flexor, Leon's obviously playing on, on one foot. Just a word about, about those guys battling through, uh, you know. Yeah, and those are the big ones that kind of everybody knew heading in, you know, as the playoffs wore on. Warriors, that's what I would, the term I would use. They're people who, uh, you talk about laying it on the line in order to achieve something. Our people did that, and there's a lot more that hasn't been made public. Um, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them for for uh, being able to play with those type of limitations. Second row on the left. Uh, Jake, can you run down the overtime winning goal and yep. the personnel you had on the ice? Yeah, uh, so that was the third shift in overtime. And we were on our third third line. It was a three-line game for us tonight. And, uh, you know, uh, the group of people that we had um, went out. It was a 50-50 face-off. Uh, we got beat to the net. You know, the puck, um, you know, got tipped, and they found a way. Um, we're not here without the people that you're referencing. Stay on the left. Jay, you, uh, the last two games, you, you didn't generate as much offense as you wanted, but you did tonight. What did you do differently to get the offensive chances that you wanted? Um, we adjusted a few things, adjusted a few things on our forecheck. Um, we talked a lot about uh, being hard and going to hard areas to score. I thought you saw that tonight. Um, I thought uh, some of our investments from earlier in the series started to pay off, and we saw some turnovers. And um, in the end, we, I feel we scored enough goals to win the game. We could be a lot tighter defensively. We'll do one more question. Back to Ryan in the middle. Yep. Darnell talked about playing through a, t a torn hip flexor, and I imagine that's got to be difficult. Um, 
you know, did it make it tough in that matchup against those real high-end guys that he was playing a lot against? And, and how do you think he managed in that matchup? And did you think about backing him off in some of those matchups, just considering what he was dealing with? Yeah, I think if you watched, um, we dressed seven in the last two games, right? And uh, different people were on the ice in the re in the matchup that you're you're referencing. Um, those are some good good hockey players on the other side. Um, you know, they they had the ability to uh, find a way to affect the game. Um, that's not on one player, one injury, or anything like that. We're a team, and uh, in the end, um, we didn't do a good enough job with uh, the amount that we were giving up. And. Uh, the most important thing I'm going to take out of this is that we've, you know, to get to this spot, we're proud, but we also realize uh, to move on, there's more. There's more. And um, we're going to find it as we move forward. Jay Woodcroft, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Their season ends with a 6-5 overtime loss to the Colorado Avalanche. The Japanese Village goal light is on for the final time this season. We've turned it on all year. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, go to 630Ched.com, print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. So torn hip flexor huh. for Darnell Nurse. Did you ever have one, Rob? I, I've pulled hip flexors, and most players, when they pull a hip flexor, they don't play with a pulled hip flexor. It, it's, it's hard to maneuver. Uh, when you have a pulled hip flexor, you don't mow your lawn. Yeah, I mean, you don't walk up the stairs. It's very gingerly when you do. Uh, a torn one, I mean, if, if most people, if they have a torn hip flexor, they're doing nothing, let alone playing in the National Hockey League, getting run over time and time again. That's what's, and it, 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 it's Darnell Nurse, and it's Leon Dreisaitl, and it's Tanov, and it's, you can go through the list of all the players in the National Hockey League as soon as the season's over. They announced, uh, was it Marchand and, McAvoy and Boston both having surgeries. They're not starting next year. That's what separates National Hockey League and play playoffs to any other sport out there is what the players play through. And not just, uh, it's, uh, I have the ultimate respect for football, but in the playoffs, it's one game and then one game. So you might play three games. These guys have to play, win. They have to win 16 games, possibly play 28 with these injuries. Uh, it is, when, when you said that off air that it was a, torn hip flexor I'm like I don't know how honestly I don't know how he plays with that yet he did and a uh, good on him and I know that there were some detractors and we had some people calling in that wanted to see less of Darnell Nurse I can tell you he's got the respect of every single player in that dressing room for what he put his body through to try and gut it out so this was a, a it was a tough end of the season and I think you're going to hear more and more of the players that are going to need some off-season surgery or certainly off-season time of rest and relaxation to recover from, which was a brutal stretch for a lot of players. Nurse tonight, one assist, even 20 minutes, 18 seconds, two shots on goal. Nice assist, long pass to Dreisaitl. Very nice. Uh, he passed it to Hyman, who scored uh, on a little mini breakaway. And uh, we'll see what, if and what we get about Leon Dreisaitl. And... Obviously, he's been struggling in the entire playoffs. After he got shaken up late in the second period, it was actually painful just to watch him. I mean, even on 
quote-unquote rushes he was going at about half speed he was a high ankle sprain most hockey players have had just about every injury we talk about so I had one of those and I was on crutches and it's one that it takes forever to heal and every time it starts to feel a little bit better okay I'm good tonight and the tape job you have is you're like a horse like you can't move your ankle when it's inside that skate and you feel like okay it's better then all of a sudden there's one where you have to twist and go back the other way quickly or you get hit and it gets kind of bent over and it feels like you've done it for the very first time all over again and the, the times where you sh show him on the bench Leon's as tough as anyone in the National Hockey League for playing through what he's playing through and then you see him on the bench in absolute agony yet it's his turn to come up again he's back out on the ice and not only on the ice I mean he was to me was the best player for the Oilers tonight four, four assists uh, making plays uh, a difference physically uh, so uh, I have the utmost respect for all of the players and what they play through come playoff time and obviously Leon and Darnell are the two that you see the most in this playoff because of the injuries they played through. Dreisaitl picked the first star tonight. Kale McCarr with five points. The second star he might be your Conn Smythe winner if the Avs win the cup. Connor McDavid the third star. The fourth star for Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian. Store Canadian. Head to Sentinel.ca. It's easy for me. I think I do this every final game of the season. It's the fans. It's it's the people who supported the Oilers all season long. Listen to our show. Call us if if they like. Uh, I, I mean, they were they were enthusiastic the last two games, knowing the Oilers were you know in dire yep. straits, quite frankly, and 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 things weren't going well in this series. Uh, I mean, we got people here in Studio 99 hanging out tonight, so I will give all of Oil Country the fourth star. Well, it, the fans were treated to a fantastic season. I mean, there was a roller coaster rides at times, but. The Oilers went to the final four, and we've been waiting for this team to take that next step, and they did. Uh, they just ran into a better hockey club. And this is, uh, get used to seeing the Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers in the final four. They're the two premier teams now in their divisions. I think the Oilers uh, have taken that step. Colorado obviously has. And it's going to be superstar versus superstar for the next number of years. And if anyone out there wants to buy a kid, Kale McCarr, a present, buy him a trophy case because I think he's going to be uh, piling up the trophies, whether they be Norris, Conn Smythe, possibly a Hart trophy at some point. He was all worlded to me that he was the biggest difference in this series between the Oilers and, and the Avs. Both teams had superstars up front, and both teams had guys that were um, role players that stepped up at big moments. Uh, but to me, the biggest difference, especially with Darnell Hurd, and, and Darnell, as good as he is, he's not Kale McCarr. The Oilers did not have a Kale McCarr. And we've always talked about how great he is offensively and what he can do along the blue line in that quick wrist shot. But when he gets put out against Connor McDavid, shift after shift after shift, and does what he does, Kale McCarr, to me, was the biggest difference in this series and a big reason why the Colorado Avalanche are going to the Stanley Cup Finals. So 6-5, the final tonight, all season long. James H. Brown and Associates, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results, donating $100 to 630 Ted Sanders Anonymous for every Oilers goal. The total regular season and playoffs combined, $35,500. That's going to help a lot of families and kids at Christmas time. So thanks to James H. Brown and Associates. Okay, you're going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid when we get back. The Oilers' season ends tonight. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. The Oilers captain chipped it out to Barry. Dreisaitl, McDavid, wrist shot. Goal! Power play goal for the captain. Edmonton three unanswered in period two. For a two-goal lead in game four, Connor McDavid, his 10th. 
Well, hopes were high for a game five when Connor McDavid scored on the power play from Drysaddle and Barry late in the second period, but the Avalanche would rally and win 6-5 in overtime to take the series four straight back down to the Hall of Fame room here at Drysaddle and McDavid. Well, Connor, can you just sum up uh, the, the game today and your thoughts on the effort by your team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like that there was no quit. I don't think anyone quit out there. No one quit on each other. Uh, that's always a good sign. Um, you know, but we let it obviously get away. Stay on the left. Uh, Leon, just how were you able to, I mean, they showed you uh, in the second period just in excruciating pain. How were you able just to kind of play the level you did? Um, there's lots of guys that um, go through painful things like that so um yeah not gonna make this about myself uh lots of guys that play play through certain injuries right side daniel uh leon we, we we've talked a lot about this team trying to get over the hump and here you guys are in the conference final but obviously not ending the way you want what what do you take out of that like is it the, the fact that you got this far or that there's still a little bit uh, ways to go <clears throat> Well, I'm proud of the group to, to get to this point, of course. Um, I don't think anyone necessarily expected us to be here. With that being said, we expected to be here, and, and we want to be here, and we want to be even further, right? So um, I'm proud of the group, but, um, you know, obviously it's, it's very disappointing, and, and, and it sucks right now. Um, but we have to make sure that we come back next season and understand how hard it is to win. Um, what it takes to go on a deep run and, and take that next step. In the middle, Ryan. Connor, a, a similar question to you, just, and I know you'll take some time to digest this, but you know, how do you feel about what your team was able to accomplish here and maybe some of the lessons that you were on the verge of learning that, that you know, maybe will help this be a better result next time? Um, yeah, I mean, it feels like it's steps, right? Like, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Every team kind of goes through it, you know, they become a playoff team and then, you know, they get there, you know, most years and then they go on a little bit of a run and, you know, they, they learn that lesson and and then it becomes their time to win. Um, you know, I, you look at a Colorado team that's been in that situation many, many times and obviously they're knocking on the door right now. So, um, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Um, yeah, but that's all it is. Third row on the left, Mark. Leon, I know it's hard because it's fresh here. Uh, the last month and a half has been a lot of fun in this city. You guys have won, played, not only did you win, but you played games that were, you know, games like we haven't seen in the playoffs. Can you look back on the last month and a half and, and think that, you know, it was something special that was as much fun for you guys as it was for all these people out here? Yeah, it's it's the best time of the year. It's always fun um, being in the playoffs and, and competing for a Stanley Cup. With that being said, um, you know, we don't play for the outside noise, right? That's part of it. Um, we love playing in front of our fans. We love playing for them. Um, but our goal is to win a Stanley Cup. And if you fail at that or if, if you don't get there to get a crack at it, obviously you're, you're disappointed. But... Um, like Connor said, uh, we took a step, but we also we also know how hard it is to get back to this point. So um, we have to make sure that we come in next season and, and, and make sure we're ready to go. Front right. Uh, Connor, just 
Um, you know, you, you guys came in, have scoring a lot of goals in the series, and had a bunch in, in game one. But when you look back, what'll be the what was the difference in this in this series with Colorado? Uh, finished five minutes ago, so I'll let that one sit. Left side, Robbie. Uh, Leon, I'm just wondering the impact of this series and you guys going this deep, from you and Connor to Ryan McLeod and Evan Bouchard, just the impact to people around the league, seeing what the Oilers are about. What, what, is this, what did this drive do for the, you know, the Oilers organization? Well, I think it, it showed our younger guys that you mentioned, Bushi and, and Clowder, you know, they, they took big, big steps this season. And, and it's great to have young guys like that go on a deep run like, like we did and, and learn how hard it is and understand how hard it is. So um, both of them, they're going to, or all of them, uh, they're going to come back next season and, and they'll be a little older, they'll be a little more experienced, they'll be better. So uh, that's going to that's gonna push our team big time. We got drive settle and Connor McDavid after the Oilers lose 6-5 to the Avalanche in overtime. Lot to talk about tonight. Obviously, we'll talk about some of the younger players, their development as we move along tonight. Jay Woodcroft was asked about, uh, I mean, Brad Malone, who's hardly played hockey the last couple months, <laughs> yeah. takes the face-off in, in, in overtime. It was sort of a draw that went to the sideboards and the avalanche got it well there was three things that went wrong for the Oilers on that one first of all I went and I checked Malone's face-off percentage he was 66 percent coming into that face-off in this game in the, in the game coming into that face-off right. he lost that one made him 57 percent on the night so you sent out a guy that was 66 percent in face-offs and that's the one thing they've talked about Malone before when he came up earlier in the year he's good on draws but he lost the face-off the second thing that went wrong on that play is the winger going to the point didn't get in the shooting lane now, Cam McCarr, like Evan Bouchard, but better, is good at moving and getting yourself into a better shooting lane. Having said that, the other winger didn't get in a shooting lane. And the third play, and this is the biggest one, and this was Duncan Keith. He lost his man. And if you watch the replay, Keith kind of looks at the point and kind of stands his ground by the boards and then realize oh no he's shooting and he starts chasing but that point he has no chance right and if if it wasn't a deflection if it was a straight on net shot and there's a rebound Lekanen still getting there first so there were three things that didn't go right for the Edmonton Oilers and when you play against a really good team and the Avs are they're going to take advantage of those mistakes it wasn't one it was three and uh, face-offs are won and lost so he I mean that happens. I mean, if Malone wins the faceoff, you're going to. Why didn't the Colorado guy win the faceoff on chance on an offensive zone chance? But not getting in the shooting lane and then losing your man. I mean, that's one. Lekkinen was by himself, so he a tipped it, then was able to get the rebound and put it into a wide open net with nobody touching him. That was the biggest mistake of the three. Yeah, and, and again, in terms of just this individual game, I mean, even if this was a, I said after. A, after I can't remember which intermission I said it, but even if this was a, a game second week in December, you'd be disappointed to lose a lead going to the third period yes. against any team. The Avs scored 31 seconds in, exactly what they needed. Maybe kind of a funny goal. Uh, Taves with a smart shot, shot mm -hmm. it into a crowd of people, didn't hit his own guy, went in off CeCe. Uh, Hyman made it 4-2. Then you got Smith coming out of the net. I, I know this is going to be discussed. Did he have to come out? No. Is that how he plays? Yes. Yes. It hit the ref. The Avs keep it in. Smith makes a save. The puck's going in. Nurse saves it. But there's three Avalanche players basically in the crease, and Landis got, got credit for it. And then, you know, even the Ranton and power play goal, 
Yeah, not a great, uh, I mean, he's wide open and shoots it right at Smith and it goes in. Uh, I, I mean, it's kind of maybe a little bit of a summary of, uh, of Smith's season. I mean, he was outstanding in the second period. Like the first half of the second period, it looked like it was going to get away on the Oilers. I agree. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's. The, let's. Start, I, I kind of threw a lot at. Let's, okay, start, let's, let's start, with, start with the goal where he wanders and plays it up the boards. Well, it's, it's a bad break, and I know that uh, people are going to be wanting the ref's got to get out of the way, but the ref, that's his ground. He's standing there, and it's not like the ref skated into the middle of the ice. He's got to stay on the outside. He did, and Smith hit him. And then it's bad luck when the puck hits a ref, it can go anywhere. Unfortunately for the Oilers, it went to an avalanche player. So now the Oilers are in trouble. Uh, live and die with Mike Smith coming out of the net. That one's just a, a bad break, a bad bounce. Uh, I think the goaltenders tonight, I don't know in the end, no goaltender gave the team the save they needed in the third period. And I think that's the biggest thing in this one. It was whoever's going to shoot next or whoever's going to shoot last is probably going to win this hockey game. And Smith was outstanding at times, and so was Francois. But in the third period, everything was yeah. finding a way into the net. And then in overtime, I mean, Smith has absolutely zero chance. It's a deflection, high deflection. He makes the save on the deflection. And then there was no one there to clean up the mess. So he had no chance there. But it was, uh, yeah, it goaltending uh, was a saw, I believe, in today's hockey game. I don't think either one lost the goaltending battle, but certainly nobody won it. Okay, 6-5, the Avalanche take this game. Uh, of course, the East final resumes tomorrow. Rangers at Lightning. Rangers up 2-1 in that series. Dramatic win uh, yesterday by the Lightning. The scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for part service rentals or new and used semi-trailers. Head to edmontontrailer.com. Oil Kings at Seattle tomorrow. The WHL final is tied 1-1. They split here in Edmonton. Okay, you're going to hear from Smith and Nurse, and we're happy to hear from you as well. The hotline is powered by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. The number is 780-496-0063. We are live in Studio 99 for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Smith able to reverse it up to Yesapuliarvi, who maintains possession, then turned it over. Quick shot, Landeskog, and a save made by Mike Smith. So that first shift, and Puliarvi put it right on Landeskog's tape. All right, that is your save of the game for Mike Smith, courtesy Reface Magic. Save money on your kitchen renovation. Don't replace Reface as uh, the Oilers are beaten 6-5 in overtime by the Colorado Avalanche. The final shot's 42-35 for the Avs. So Smith stops 36 out of 42. Francois stops 30 out of 35. Uh, two shots in overtime for the Avalanche. And the second one goes into end the season uh, yeah we we're just talking off air uh, you know it's it seems so good for Edmonton at 4-2 yeah. I mean, there's still 16 minutes left but some things had, had gone against the Avs they've made a couple uncharacteristic mistakes I mean Logan O'Connor passed it to nobody yeah and Nugent Hopkins got a breakaway uh, and on that Hyman goal I mean McKinnon turned it over yep. try, trying to make a play that the Avs usually weren't making because it looked like they were pressing a little bit but the Avs just I mean they just stay with it and McKinnon makes a great play later and Gets a partial breakaway. Fight, fight right back in it. Well, we, we knew that, and you mentioned it, that you didn't feel comfortable at 3-1 going into the third period. And we talked at the end of the, the second that Colorado is going to have a push and they want to score in the first 10 minutes to give themselves a chance. Well, they scored right away. And all of a sudden, 
you know, the stress level in Rodgers went up, but when the Oilers did extend it, and that's the thing that you always usually see when a team makes that push and gets close, but then the opposition extends it, it's a big deflate, and you're like, okay, we had our chance, it's over now. But the Avalanche, I mean, they're going to the Stanley Cup Finals for a reason. This is a team that knows how to win, and there was no quit, and they came back, and their star players scored some big goals that set themselves up. Having said that, the Oilers, you can say that about the Oilers too. There could have been an incredible deflate when they gave up the three straight goals to fall behind and they make it exciting with Cassian's goal late. This was one, again, last shot wins and unfortunately for the Oilers, face off in their own zone, they lose the face off and the Colorado Avalanche had the last shot. Yeah, it, look, we know how important uh, defense is and I said to Colin Fraser a few games ago, it's not a 3-2 league anymore. And he goes, well, if you only allow two and score seven, you're still only allowing two. And it's like, well, fair enough. But and you and I talk about this all the time and for years. The, the, the top teams can win different ways. Yes. Well, the Avalanche swept this series. They allowed five goals once and six goals in another game. And they didn't lose. So, you know, their goals against, I mean, I know they also got a shutout, but their goals against a couple nights shouldn't win you games. They still won because yep. they figured it out. They, they can crank it up. Their power play was two for two. They got a late power play goal. That was the one that, that put them ahead 5-4. So ultimately, you know, they, they figured it out, even if, if it wasn't a, a model win. Yeah, if you're going to be a good team, then, then you better learn to win different ways because you never know how the bounces are going to go for you. Some nights, it's a low-scoring, low-event hockey game. All right, now we're going to have to win this one 2-1. We're going to have to play tight defense. And at some point, we're going to get an opportunity and we got to capitalize. There's another night where just weird bounces and weird plays that are going against you. All right, looks like tonight we're going to have to score six. And they have the capability. There's other teams in the NHL that don't. Um, the LA Kings, if they give up four, they weren't winning 5-4. They weren't winning 7-6. That's not the way they're made. But Colorado can do it anyway. And uh, again, it goes back to some of the deadline trades they made, some of the depth players they picked up, and the guy that scores the game winner is a, a, a trade guy. Second I mean, straight year, he scores in overtime to send his team to the final. He's, he's a guy that you want to. He's a guy that you want on I your mean, team. I mean, he's just like he's just a good, resilient, all-around player. Like he's. Yeah, and he's a guy that you trust in both ends, too. It's not like, okay, we can put him out when we're trailing, but if we're winning, we've got to back off him. He's a guy that plays uh, the right way at all the times, and the goal that he scored in overtime, he went to the net. He beat his defenseman to the net, and he was there. Whether he tipped the puck at, at the start, if there was going to be a rebound, or if it was going to be a screen, he went to the right spot and was rewarded for it. So... Uh, Edmonton has a good team, but right now the Colorado Avalanche are a better hockey club and to me are probably going to be the favorite going into the Stanley Cup Finals. Our adjustment of the game for Pro Drain Text for peace of mind down the line was uh, Dylan Holloway making his NHL debut, uh, <laughs> playing 327. Uh, a promising player. We didn't see a lot of him tonight. And I mean, maybe this factors into a whole other conversation about the future of Archibald, the future of Shore. Uh, and things like that. Well, yeah, I, I don't... This is only my opinion. I don't think you'll see Archibald back here. Uh, is Shore's contract up? Does he have another year? He left? has another year. Yeah, so Shore, Shore will be... Uh, Holloway will be here to start next year if everything goes according to plan. Uh, I'm sure that the Oilers would have loved to have gotten him more ice time tonight, but the way the game moved and the way that the score... Uh, how the Avalanche scored early, that they got away from their rhythm of trying to roll every line. At the end of the night, though... He had the best seat in the house to watch an incredible <laughs> hockey game, and he got to see 
the pace of the game and what it takes to, to play at this level. And he'll take that into his summer holiday and his summer workouts and say, all right, this is where I want to be. I want to be part of it. And I don't want to be a three-minute player in the league semifinals. I want to be a 12-minute. I want to be a 15, 18-minute player. And that's what his goal for next year will be. And that'll be uh, him working out all summer to give himself uh, the best chance possible. Dylan Holloway uh, set the line at uh, half, 0.5. How many points would he get? Uh, River Creek Resort and Casino set the line. Excitement bet on it, and Omar took the under. He gets the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. 780-496-0068. I've forgotten the number. Well, I mean, final game it's of the, the first time you've it used it this year. Yeah. times this year, preseason included. 780-496-0063. Greg is standing by. Hey, Greg, go ahead. Hey, guys. Hello. Looks like, hey, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, it looks like I'm getting married after all, hey? <laughs> well, we're sorry about that, buddy. Good luck. Yeah, you guys didn't cheer hard enough. So, <laughs> um, uh, it was a good series. Um, I thought the better team did win. Uh, I'm not going to crapple over the refs and stuff like that because I don't believe in that. And, and I thought it was just it was, it was it was a great series to watch. Too bad we got swept. But I do want your opinion on that Derek Ryan penalty because watching the replay, it looked like it should have been both or none um, at the minimum because it. it it looked more like the Avalanche player had his arm in front of Ryan. And like I said, I'm not crapping on the refs. I'm not saying that's cost us the series or the game. I just want your opinion on it that, that why wouldn't they <clears throat> excuse me, even it up? Or, or I, thought it was a pen, I thought it was a penalty. Um, I, the, the fact that they'd given the Oilers three straight or four straight or something along that line probably played into it too. I thought it was a penalty. It's a tough call at that point of the hockey game. Um... Hey, Rantanen certainly thought it was a penalty. As you saw right away, he looked at the ref like, seriously, he just threw me back. Tough call, and, and one that it hurt. Uh, it didn't lose them the game, obviously, because the others tied it up. They went into overtime, but uh, to me, the, the refereeing in this series was all right. I don't think, I mean, there's some plays, the, the offside one still boggles my mind earlier, the McCarr play, uh, but all in all, the, this was a playoff ref hockey game, and the Oilers had more power plays tonight, and uh, to me, the, the bottom line, better team won. I, I, I always try to think uh, penalties, the ref has a very unique view yep. at ice level. Oh, so, absolutely. So with, with that Ryan play, where does he see the arms? What's his view? Um, How Rantanen fell back, yeah, straight back. I, I mean, yep. I know I saw people tweeting a couple of hits from behind that weren't as bad as the other night, but no, still, no. and you and I believe those yep. should be enforced differently. Yep. Anyway, oddly enough, the, the play the Oilers scored their power play goal on was the puck over the glass, which is no judgment <laughs> yeah. at all. Uh, you know, the Cassian slash in the first period, are there worse slashes? Yes, yep. but, you know, I, again, I, I don't think the, the refs cost... Uh, Edmonton the game or, or helped anybody. I mean, this is the only game in which the Oilers had more power play. And, and, and I, I will say this about Jay. He kept bringing up the power play discrepancies. And I kept thinking to myself, your team took three penalties late in game two when they were running around basically not caring if they took penalties. So part of that power play discrepancy is because part of, yes, you took those didn't away. have a huge impact but on that game. The reason the coach is saying Oh, no, they're lobbying. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're lobbying for more. And apparently it worked. They got more tonight. Uh, that's part of the coach's job, continue to put that out there, and hopefully someone will hear it, and maybe that 50-50 call goes your way. All right, we also have Brian on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Brian. Go ahead. 
Hey, first of all, I'd like to just say you guys have been great all season. I hope Rob's going to be back next next season. Are you, Rob? I, I hope so. No one's told me otherwise. I just try to sneak in here every year, hope that no one notices, and then six months later, well, we can't fire him. He's been here all year, so I'm hoping <laughs> well, to be back. I, I'm glad to hear that. I, I just want to say, you know, the, 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 the boys can hold their head up high. Uh, you know, people didn't think they'd get past Calgary. They did, you know, and, uh, you know, did the better team win? They did, absolutely did. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to consider this a successful year this year. Uh, you know, they got past, they, they got to the Final Four. You know, I mean, hey, the only thing you can expect is, is improvements next year. They probably need to definitely address the goaltending. And, uh, you know, if, if, if anybody has ever once questioned the heart or drive or, or, or desire to win, uh, of, of, you know, well, for example, Nurse, uh, you know what? You take a look at the pain that they were playing through him and Drysaddle. Uh, my heart really went out to Drysaddle this year, uh, this, uh, this, especially tonight. I mean, my God, he, I almost wanted to cry a couple times just <laughs> watching him on the bench. Yeah, he, I mean, it, it, as Reed said earlier, sometimes it was hard just watching, knowing how much pain he's in. So, uh, again, uh, the, the players on both teams that played through the pain that they played through. And you can go through the National Hockey League. And it, it, there's a story a long time ago when, when the Oilers lost to the Islanders and they walked past the Islanders' dressing room and they saw all the players in there, all ice bags all over them, and they saw how painful it w took, how much pain you had to go through to win. And I think that's what you're seeing. There's that will to, to win a championship that you're willing to play through anything, put your body through anything to have that opportunity. And credit to all the players on the Oilers that, that gutted it out to give themselves every opportunity to win hockey games. So I, I have the utmost respect for the Leons and the Darnells and the Tanovs in Calgary. And you can name just about an probably about 60, 70 other players that are playing in the playoffs that play through things that in the regular season, they would be on the IR probably missing a few weeks, if not more. Yeah. Okay, Oilers lose 6-5 in overtime. They've been swept by the Avalanche. Uh, more of your reaction. We still have Mike Smith and Darnell Nurse coming up. This is Hartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. For the Badgers. Devin Taves turned it over. Nugent Hopkins breakaway for the lead. He scores! A backhander blocker side. And Edmonton has its first lead of game four. Two to one. Nugent Hopkins uh, scoring with 3.03 left in the second period. Put the Oilers up 2-1. A minute 57 later, McDavid would make it 3-1, uh, but the Avs rally to win 6-5 in overtime. The Oilers had three-goal second period to have control of the game, but uh, did not last, unfortunately, tonight. And the Avalanche sweep. They're going on to the Stanley Cup final. They will have home ice advantage, uh, which is going to be big. Having said that, they have not lost a road game. <laughs> that <laughs> is true. Is pretty good. That is pretty good. When, uh, what are they, 6-0 and on the road now? Uh, it'd be seven because they, play, they played three in St. Louis, right? They went to six against St. Louis. That is true, too. So, so. Two, two, three, and two. Well, yeah. they, I mean, they're a good, deep, star-studded, well-coached hockey club that uh, you want to win championships, you got to win at home, and you certainly got to know how to win on the road, and they've been able to do that. So the Oilers 
you know, relied a lot on the big guys, which mm -hmm. is which is going to be the case. Yeah, all teams do. Um, you know, clearly some players didn't play a lot. There were maybe there were some higher hopes for, it, or who played better during the season. If you want to look at Fogle or or, or Pugliarvi or Ryan, I mean, you mentioned Archibald came back and played, wound up getting scratched. Um, you know, I, th I think if we're going to talk really big picture here, and now we don't know what's going to happen with Evander Kane. Well, that, I think that's a domino. I think that's, that's what a, happens that's with him. One. Yeah, what happens with him if he comes back will dictate what they do with other players. Uh, Bob and I were upstairs talking right after the game. Three, three restricted free agents, Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, and McLeod all need new contracts. I don't think Pugliarvi will be back. Well, I, it all depends though on Kane. If they don't get Kane, well, then do you circle back and Pugliarvi gets a new contract. Yeah. So I think, I, I, I don't think both of them, I don't think you sign all three and Kane. Uh, you sign two of them and Kane, but that's the biggest one. It all depends. Can you get Kane under contract? There will be, the way he played for the Oilers, the way he played in the playoffs, uh, there will be other teams interested in signing Evander Kane. Uh, some of the other teams may have more money to spend. Some might be in more fun cities. Um, uh, some might be teams as far if not further along than the Oilers so I, I don't know but I think before anything else is done they will go in and see what they can do with Evander Kane can they get him back yeah. into the Oilers but I, I guess very big picture without getting into maybe a bunch of individual player details tonight I mean I mean what just what would we see the avalanche do S speed yes. but also skill mm -hmm. I mean I guess maybe Fogel speed not a lot of finish yeah so the Oilers if you want to look at it the top nine or even the top six like you, you would hope now maybe Holloway is going to be that guy yeah but uh, a couple speedier skilled players that can help you keep the pressure because as we saw you know the Oilers did did pretty well against weaker teams yep. and, and, and had some really good moments against strong teams in the regular season make it to the west final well now you're trying to get back here and then yes. go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Avalanche. Well, you're seeing where the bar is set. The yeah. Avalanche are the bar. So, so that's what I'm saying. Is that yes. ultimately what the Oilers are missing up front? Probably a couple of guys. Well, put it this way. In this series, the Oilers went down to seven or at yeah, most eight players. So th that means they need five or or six players that they feel can, can jump in and play at this level and feel comfortable uh, being out there at all times. So uh, the Colorado Avalanche, it's funny, the Colorado Avalanche, is not a real physical team. Uh, they they are not. They take hits to make plays, but they don't uh, go out there looking for the big hit. And they were all business-like in this series, where you punch them in the face, they just all right, I'll take it and I'll go to the bench. They uh, they came with a game plan and stuck to it, but they also had the horses. And I think that's the biggest thing here. When injuries set in, and they will set in for every team. The further they go in the playoffs, just look at any team in, right in the final four. They all have significant injuries yep. right now. The teams with the best depth, teams that can put players in and not lose a whole lot of the teams that continue on, and that we saw that with the Avalanche. And for the Oilers, I mean, one of the players they had to put in is a Brad Malone who played the whole year in the minors. Right. So there's a difference between the depth that Colorado had and the depth that the Edmonton Oilers have. So that's something else that the Edmonton Oilers are going to look moving forward. Yeah, I mean, some guys for the Avs didn't play a little bit. Even Newhook gets up to eight minutes. Uh, Obey Kubel gets up to nine. Cogliano uh, well, got up to 12. Until they got hurt. The game. Yeah. So what do you think happened? I mean, what did you see he, in the he, handshake? He blocked, well, he blocked a shot uh, late in the game. Uh, Barry took a slap shot and he hit him in the hand. And Cogliano, as soon as the puck went out, 
rushed right to the bench, ran right down the, the corridor back to the dressing room, never returned in the game, and then when he was shaking hands, he, you shake with your right hand, he had that one pulled in close to his body, and he was going down the line with his left hand across his body, shaking hands with the wrong hand. So he has a hand injury uh, uh, for his sake, and I mean, he's an, an ex-oiler that everyone enjoyed being around when he was here. I hope it is nothing serious and he can play in the next round, but the way he walked, went through the handshake line, yeah. uh, there's a little fear that maybe he will be the second Avalanche player out of the playoffs with a hand injury. Yep, okay. 6-5 Avs win in overtime. 780-496-0063 is the certainty hotline. Graydon is standing by. Hey, Graydon, go ahead. How are you guys doing tonight? Quite well. Um, a good run by the boys this year. Not much you can do. Avs were definitely the better team. But I just wanted to put out my one point. Man, there was zero consistency with any of the calls in this series. Yeah, I don't think this was a four-game sweep for the Abs. I honestly think this series should be 2-2. Yeah, I don't know. I just figured that it's just, the, I don't know, just the way it goes, but I didn't see much consistency at all with any of the calls this series. Okay. Appreciate it, Graydon. 780-496-0063. Now, one area in which the orders did improve... And it was, and we talked about these guys so much was Hyman and Kane because oh, yes. so much, so much of the problems in the last two years was, okay, Leon wins the puck on a forecheck, centers the puck, guy misses, yep. <laughs> you know, Leon or Connor makes a great rush, no one to pass to, or I mean, Kane's hat trick against Calgary, those were three rush goals, and mm -hmm. he's. He's not as fast as Connor, but he, he can keep up and, and, and go to the net. So that, you know, that rounded it out. So that's a step. Again, to me, it's just can you even now further flesh out some of that talent? Well, you talked a little while ago about how depth players are players that aren't the stars. You have to have guys with speed and skill, and that's what you yeah. have with the Colorado Avalanche. Well, what you're getting with a Hyman and a Kane, you're getting guys that play in the blue paint but also have a skill set. Right. Uh, the Oilers have had players in the past that will go to the blue paint, but if there's a puck on their stick, it takes them 10 whacks and they're not putting the puck right. in the net. But they went out and got both Kane and Hyman who play in the dirty areas. They will take hits to make plays. They will go in the corner and when they're knocked, they don't fall down. They continue on and move on. And when they have their opportunities, they score. Both Kane and, and Hyman score a lot of goals within three feet of the net. But what we've also seen that they can score 25 feet from the net. And Hyman scores on breakaways. Kane scores on breakaways. Both great additions. Now, Oilers fans are fortunate that Hyman is signed here long term. Yep. So we will see. And he got better as the year went on. And we talked about in the offseason when they signed him, he's going to be a good regular season player, but they brought him in for the playoffs. That's where they needed the help because the, the Oilers in the playoffs, when games get tougher, they had perimeter players that couldn't score. Hyman was that guy that got better in the playoffs, and Kane is built for playoff hockey. He plays with a nasty streak. He's got incredibly uh, high well, skill level. Perhaps too nasty. Too nasty. Uh, oh, again, and there's a, I mean, is if this was his last ever game, it was one that he sat in the stands because he was suspended, but he plays close to the line. Those are the kind of players that help you win in the playoffs, and that was one of the big reasons. Both those players are big reasons the Oilers went to the Final Four. You take those two out of the lineup, they probably aren't getting to this point. Yeah, that's a good point, and they did the last two years yeah. without those guys. Okay, we also have Dave standing by. Hi, Dave, go ahead. Hi, Dave, do we have you? 
Okay, that's okay. We will go to Tammy. We have Tammy standing by on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Tammy. You're Hi. on with Robin Reed. Hi, Robin Reed. I needed to commiserate with my people uh, after <laughs> this loss tonight, and um, I have a question really around injuries. Mm. Um, now, taking Leon's stats out of the mix, just a general question. At what point does playing with injuries become a law of diminishing returns, right, versus sitting a guy out, right? Like, like I mean, I thought that about Leon, um, and now hearing that Nurse has a torn hip flexor. Like, I, guys, I was doing yard work two months ago, and I fell in my yard bin and buggered my knee, and I couldn't, and I couldn't walk for two months. And these guys are playing with torn hip flexors and all, like and gutting it out. So, and Rob, maybe more for you because you played. Like, at what point do you draw that line between sitting a guy and having him be maybe less effective, well, right, when he's out on the ice injured? Well, they'll they'll look at that, and, and the coaching staff will say, okay, here's what we got. This is what we're going to get out of, let's say, nurse. We're going to get this out of nurse. This is as high as he can play with the injury he has. Who can we put in that's going to give us that much? And I agree. I don't think there is anyone that they could have got as much out of in the lineup that Nurse gives them. So they, they will look at it. it. There's an expectation. Now, it's unwritten, but it's an expectation that if you're capable of putting your skates on, you play at playoff time. You got a broken hand? All right, we'll get it fixed yeah. in the offseason. If you got a, a bummed up knee, well, we'll get it fixed when the season's over. It, it's amazing. Just uh, it, you, you don't see it all here in Edmonton, but if you follow... Uh, the news uh, when a team loses out try and get on their Twitter thing or on their their uh, Whatever they have their go look at their papers and they will announce all the different players are about to have surgery as soon as the season ends I read a Boston paper the other day McAvoy and Marchand both having surgery right away Neither will start next season, but they both played every game in the playoffs Darnell's gonna have I guess I'm guessing you have surgery on a torn hip flexor will have surgery so all these players do it and it's just an expectation in the hockey world that uh, you play now as a coach you got to decide if your player again if is it is he good enough injured to play I, I believe it was the right call I think that every player in that dressing room wanted nurse in the lineup and I thought the last two games he was much better but I, I could not imagine playing with a with a torn hip flexor absolutely could not imagine I've, I've pulled a hip flexor which is not even close to what he played with and guys with pulled hip flexors don't play in the regular season guys with torn hip flexors don't play for months in the regular season live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Friesen brothers this is the Heartland Ford overtime open line here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chair. The Oiler line, Nurse to Dreisaitl, open, Hyman, backhander, score! This game is tied! First shot of the second period goes in! And Hyman, with his 10th of the postseason, ties game four! Hyman would score twice tonight. He finishes the playoffs with 11 goals. That was the Oilers' first shot of the second period. It took 7 minutes and 39 seconds. Ultimately, the Avalanche beat the Oilers 6-5 in overtime. Arturi Lekkinen gets the game and series winner. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in Studio 99. Uh, No-brainer, you try to bring Kulak back? Yeah, I Local thought he, he was good, and, and we were talking about it after the game. Edmonton is not the, the number one destination for a lot of players in the National Hockey League. But I can tell you from my experience, players that are from the area love, would love to play for the Edmonton Oilers. I wish I would have had the chance when I played being here. And the fact that Kulak's from here, I think it's a no-brainer to try and get him. I think he'd be a guy that would want to stay here. And I thought he was an 
excellent acquisition that made this team much better. So I would hope that they try to get him signed, and I would expect that uh, he would be very uh, willing to come back and play for this organization. So on defense, you still think they need some beef, uh, ideally? Yeah, I mean, they're not a, a physical back end. And Colorado's not a physical team, but they still had a, a Jack Johnson and an Eric Johnson and a Manson. I mean, those are three big men that uh, are able physically to impose their will at times in this hockey game. And the Oilers are, were top-heavy. They were much more physical up front. And actually, in all honesty, their star players are their most physical players, a Connor, a Leon, a Kane, a Hyman. Those are the most physical players that they have on this team. Uh, their back end isn't like that. So, And then you got to make a decision. Um, is With Bouchard and Barry, they're, they're very similar in players. Uh, there's only one defenseman that plays on their first power play unit right uh so when one, when he's playing a minute 20 one of them isn't going to get the ice time so are both of them back and now obviously bouchard's the guy that they're putting all the time and effort into and he his upside is very high so is, is barry going to be back again next year he's got a couple years left i think on his contract so that's a decision you're going to want to make as well uh, if you go again, and I thought Barry was good. I thought he was good in this series. I, I think he's a, a very good defenseman that other teams would want, but also if you move him out, then you got to find someone else that's going to come in and play and give you quality minutes. All right, let's go back to the Certeed Hotline. Tony is standing by. Hello, Tony. Hey, boys. Uh, just wanted to call, say thank you guys for a great season. We had our ups and our downs, but I don't think anybody wants... We were out of the playoff picture, thought that we'd make it to the Western Conference Final. Uh, props to both Leon and Nurse for playing the way they did. They are absolute warriors. I did not think Nurse's injury was as bad as it was, and I apologize if I was hard on him during the, uh, during the postseason. I want to know from both you guys, if you were Holland, what would what would your guys' list be when in this offseason? And Evander, if you're listening, please re-sign with us. How could you not want to play with Connor McDavid again? Well, I think I sort of touched on, on my list, and, I, and I'm sure this week on, on Inside Sports, I'll dive into it uh, more. And Rob, hopefully you can hop on one night this week too. Two speedy fours now again this is really ideal as usual <laughs> but hey they got Hyman and they hey, eventually well, got Kane well at Christmas two, you, you always give a yeah. big list and hope you get as much as you can I, I mean two speedy forwards with some finish mm -hmm. and maybe even a little bit of nastiness yep because I still think the Oilers could have a little bit more of that cheekiness to their play mm -hmm. I mean you know McKinnon and Landeskog aren't nice guys out there and then Leon isn't either but no, they, that, God, no. that <laughs> helps them um, yeah. again uh, Maybe a cycle-killing large defenseman. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be an offensive defenseman. And, and what's the goaltending situation? Is it going to be Skinner and Smith? Yeah, it'll be. I mean, there's a lot of things. Is Cassian back? Um, is Barry back? Well, that's the thing. So how do you round, round out what you're missing at forward? And have it all under that cap that yeah. uh, is, is going to be up a little bit, but not a whole lot. I mean, there's some contracts going up. Nurse's contract goes way up. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I know a lot of people have said, well, Koskinen, his money will be off the books, but it's basically all gone to nurse yes. for next year. 
Um, so it, yeah, it, it's it. The off season's fun now. What we've had over the last number of off seasons is we're rebuilding like a number of different issues. Like we're like, okay, we got seven players we like, but we got a lot of different things we got to change. Well, I think the Oilers are a much better place now than they have been in the last few off seasons. They've taken that step forward, and now you're tinkering. And you're saying, okay, this is this lineup we have right here is good enough to beat Calgary and probably good enough to get us out of the Pacific. But when we go into play against the Colorado Avalanche, yeah. this is this lineup we have obviously four straight yeah. is not good enough. So what do we have to do to be better? And one of the big acquisitions that and you talked about a big nasty uh, rally killing type defenseman. Well, they went and got Manson, and Manson is. Uh, not as skilled as some of these other fast D-men like a Byron or, or, or a Makar, but he plays a role. Yeah, he, could, he scored he, a couple he, big he goals. Scored, well, actually, he, he could have salted this game early when he went off the crossbar when it was yeah. one nothing. So he's got skill level, but he plays with nastiness. And I think that's one thing that the Oilers would love to have is someone like a Manson on the back end that plays in your second pairing. And when you're on the ice against him, you're like looking sideways. Okay, where is Manson? Is he going to smush me through the boards here? This, So, yeah, they, that would be a nice addition. But I'm sure that every team in the National Hockey League well, is looking like, for the same things. Yeah, I mean, Zach Hyman made up his mind pretty fast to come to Edmonton. If he hadn't, he would have had 20 offers, probably, yes. right? So 780-496-0063. We have Kim standing by. Hi, Kim. Thanks for calling. Oh, okay. We want to have Kim. Let, do we have Rocket? Rocket, are you there? I am here. Okay, go ahead. I want to thank you guys for uh, another fabulous season, boys. It was... Uh, Damn exciting, and I was uh, I was pulling for the younger generation for sure to see something special, and I think they did, and I think we can build on it. Uh, I, I don't I don't I don't regret this season at all, boys. This was this is a building block. Nobody nobody said this team was a Stanley Cup winning team this year. I heard you guys talk about it all the time. Yep. No, I, I, this, I think this is a all these younger guys up and coming, young goaltender. That's where the cap space comes in. I think is you have to you have to build like the Detroit Red Wings. You bring in the young guys on the entry level contracts, and if you can't get Kane, I mean, God knows I want him, but if you can't get him. Uh, you know, you're just going to re- re- have to rely on the cupboards and and and, and build. Uh, but uh, the core of the team is is deadly, like deadly. Well, I think yeah. Thanks, Froggett. I mean, and that's a hope is that, like we said, Holloway becomes a really good player. Yep. Broberg. I mean, you certainly think he's going to be on the team next year, and then maybe some other. You know, Borgo was drafted. It's uh, uh, Savoy, Tulio. Some of these guys are, are going to help round out the roster. I mean, the, the the drafting looks like it's better than it was. You know, when mm-hmm. you and I started working together. Uh, this is our ninth season together. I know you did once, but I mean, we we like nothing against these players because they did play in the NHL. But we used to talk about like, the Jujar Kara and Brandon Davidson were the best prospects. Yeah, because the the other guys who were drafted high were. Have to play they had to play because they weren't good enough. Yeah, because there was nothing else. So yeah, I, I think there's a little more hope. There's no guarantee. You got to go through an entire regular season. It'd be nice to say, okay, well, you, you made the Western Final last year, so you start there. But you know, the Oilers appear to be, even with the high-end guys, good enough to make the playoffs. The Pacific Division is not strong. No, nope. I mean, I would say it was the weakest division this year. Uh, and, and it might be again next year if Goudreau doesn't sign in Calgary. That's a big loss for the Calgary Flames. Hey, well, 
before I get into the, the player thing, but the one thing that is hard is once you've tasted where the Oilers were this year, tasted a Final yeah. Four, is now you got all summer to train, and then you got to go through training camp, and then you got to go through exhibition, and then you got to play 82 games, and then you got to win two rounds just to get back to this incredible spot that they're at right now, and that's why it's... It, when they get there, that's but the, why... But the past failure fueled the avalanche. Absolutely. Right? So absolutely. that's what the orders do. And you, you have to learn, and it's funny. Sometimes you think you're doing all the right things. I'm working hard enough. I'm doing it, all the little things. Yet, at the end of the series, you don't win. And then you look across and, well, okay, that guy, he laid out three times on that one shift to block shots. Or that Rantanen, that puck was two inches from the blue line. He dove and punched out with yep. his fist. There's things that you learn as you go along. Okay, I wasn't doing quite enough last year. Against the Winnipeg Jets, you know, we played really good against the Jets. It was four one-goal games, but you know what? The Jets were a little better. They understood what they needed to do better than you did. So the Oilers have learned, and they're, they're getting better. Uh... And they have to find players, as you said, that are on entry-level contracts, that are p making less money that they can play and get two or three years out of because you're top-heavy with some of the players yeah. that you have on your roster. So that's the only way you can survive in the National Hockey League because if you don't, then you're going to be pulling in guys out of free agents that are you're giving them minimum wage, but guess what you're getting? Yeah. Players that are minimum wage worthy. Yeah, and, and again, that goes back to the, to the credit to the Avalanche. It, it was just, and Connor McGahee, their play-by-play -play guy, joined me before and the I game. And I thought he was wonderful on your show, way better than Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Just, we're going to be getting some texts if Jack heard that. But, and he, he basically said the Avalanche have, have an excellent roster, and, and they've and they've elevated. They they are fully committed and they're fully focused. And that's like I don't think the Oilers lost this game because they lost the series because they were negligent or effort nope. or anything like that. But I just saw the Avalanche. There was never any let up. There was never any. Oh, well, I, I'm too far out of position to make that. Like they were, it, it just seemed like the Oilers, even though they scored five tonight, and probably quite frankly this was the sloppiest game by Colorado. Yep. Uh, it, it was just always a stick in the lane. You think O'Connor's got a step. No, now there's the back checker. Oh, no, the defenseman lunged that extra two inches to force him wide. You know, and that's, that's what I saw from Colorado. It just, it just never stopped with them. Well, and I think what you saw with the Oilers in this game is they played more like that. And that's why there was more stress that the Avalanche had to go through. And that's why they turned the puck over because all of a sudden there were guys in their way. There were guys' sticks uh, in the way. I mean, the, the p penalty where the Avalanche threw it into the crowd it was because Cassian was coming for a big hit, and the player had to get rid of the puck, and he just got rid of it without thinking, throws in the crowd. So the Oilers were much better, much de more desperate. They matched the Av Avs' desperation level, but the Avs did it in all four games, yes. and we didn't see the Edmonton Oilers do it in all four games. Okay, uh, we got a folks on hold. We are going to get to you, and like I said, we're still going to hear from Smith and Nurse. The number is 780-496-0063, the Certainty Hotline. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Okay, well, no more uh, Oilers Hockey until the preseason in September. <laughs> but, of course, we'll still have uh, Oilers now with Bob Stoffer noon to 2 every day. I'll uh, continue to talk a lot of hockey and Oilers on Inside Sports. We will be bringing you the Stanley Cup final on 630 Chet and uh, the Elks yeah they uh, kick off the, the regular season at BC on Saturday 630 for the countdown to kick off 8 o'clock for the start of the game uh, Morley 
Scott, Dave Campbell, Brendan Escott, Blake Dermott, uh, all part of our broadcast crew for that. So we'll still have plenty of live sports and sports conversation here on 6.30, Chet. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. <laughs> and only. Our, is that our tech over there? Yeah, we're the only Hello. three people closed her down. Wow. Even we've, the, we've closed down another bar, closed, Reed. Yes, it's just they're <laughs> drinking water. <laughs> Well, I will say thanks to everybody in Studio 99 for accommodating us. They're, they're great. And uh, we weren't here for the first part of the year because of uh, COVID. I think it was in March. Wasn't that new afternoon New Jersey game we came back in? It was around then. Hey, I don't even remember. It's been a blur. But this we're last very well taken care of here. We got a big booth to ourselves. So it's nice people in here. Cool. Yes. 780-496-0063. Frank on the line. Hey, Frank, go ahead. Hey, guys, I'd like to echo some of the previous callers in saying thanks for uh, great post-game uh, discussions that you two have held over the, over the whole season. Uh, congratulations to the Avalanche. Yes, they were a better team. And uh, I think despite the fact that our secondary scoring uh, was much improved this year, it's still not up to the level that you need to go all the way. Yep. The Avalanche clearly, clearly outclassed us in that area. And uh, we scored enough goals in at least three of the games to win it, which means that uh, we've got some defensive and defending problems from the goaltender out. Uh, I think when the Oilers analyze this whole thing, they're going to realize that uh, many, many of the bad things that happened were self-inflected, infected, sorry, uh, just bad decisions, and uh, bad decisions cost you hockey games. And the last thing, I know it's a conspiracy theory. I disagree. I think the officials that uh, did this whole series were not up to par. I thought that they were evaluated, and we should have had the best, and they certainly weren't. And uh, my last conspiracy theory comment, the only other person doing a happy dance is Gary Bettman. All the Canadian teams are now out. <laughs> Guys, Thanks. thanks for everything. Yeah, Frank, I always enjoyed uh, your calls throughout the season as as well. I'm not going to talk too much about the uh, refs tonight, but uh, you know, if you want to put that out to the world, that's that's why we take <laughs> calls. Yeah, I, and I think, but I think Frank makes a good point, and that's where we talk about Rob. Uh, the conversation for the Oilers has now shifted to how, how do you become a top five team? Yes, you know, you know, again. Uh, Florida won the President's Trophy. They're out. There's there's no guarantee. I mean, Tampa Bay and the Rangers are both great teams. One yep. of them's going to lose in the next week or so. So th there's never a guarantee. But yes, I I do think. I hope I'm not. These aren't going to be words I regret. But I do think the Oilers have enough talent to be a perennial playoff team in the playoffs. Yes. But now, do, and he said it. Th their depth scoring. You know, adding Hyman and uh, Kane, and then even there were even times where throughout the regular season where the third line looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, you would get the odd goals from them along the way. But now, so you go toe to toe against a powerhouse team, and ultimately you just didn't quite have enough. So yeah. I, I agree. That's where and 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 right goals against you can't. No, yeah, the the Oilers. I mean, they may have a uh, might have a different goalie next year. Skinner might be the goaltender yep. for for this team, but they. Uh, too many offensive chances against they gave up in this series, and it, and it bit them because it was a team that could score. But I do believe this Oilers team is a perennial playoff team. I think they will be they will challenge every year for the division championship in the regular season, and, and you got to get to the dance. If you get to the dance, anything can happen, and we've seen that. Uh, 
to me, I believe this is a team, and Bob said it upstairs a couple times during the game, that he believes that the Oilers are going to be a top-eight team, not in the Western Conference, but a top team in the National Hockey League. And if you're a top team in the National Hockey League, that means every year you have a chance to be a Stanley Cup champion. I think the Oilers have taken those steps. They have the, the core that has now shown what it can do at playoff time, and it was pretty special, Leon and Connor, this year in the playoffs. So uh, this is a year there's been disappointing Postseasons. There's been nights where you and I have sat here on the phone talking to the callers, and most of the callers were quite negative about where the Oilers and the organization were going. I think this feels different. I think the Edmonton Oilers fans are pretty excited where this franchise is going to go over the next couple of years, and we as, as, as media and fans as well look forward to the offseason to see what tweaks the Oilers are going to make this summer to make themselves better in the winter. There's one other key position we could talk about. No, maybe we haven't because I think you and I both think it's yeah. obvious, but Jay Woodcroft returns. I, I believe Or will so. be offered the job. Yeah, hey, I, I, I thought he did a great job. I think that we saw over the course of the end of the regular season in the playoffs that he's got a magic touch. The players listen. They bought in. Uh, he does a very good job in-game at figuring out different things. I mean, he's the Oilers had fantastic second periods for a long stretch and that's usually okay here's what's happening in the first period what do we tweak what do we talk about how can we change things a little bit in the second period and most second periods they came out and dominated yeah. a lot of that is on coaching so uh i imagine in the next i don't know how long it takes them to, s to sign a contract but i imagine there will be an announcement sometime soon that jay woodcroft is no longer the interim head coach he will be the next full-time head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. All right, we have Bob on the line as well. Hey, Bob, thanks for calling. Oh, hi, uh, Rob and uh, Reed. It's Bob from uh, Sydney, B.C. Uh, I'm an old-timer here with uh, grandchildren in Edmonton and uh, Calgary family there, but my heart is with Edmonton, also grandchildren in Victoria, and I just wanted to call and uh, uh, first time calling you just to let you know that uh, uh, I really uh, appreciate uh, your show and uh, the efforts of uh, all the uh, Edmonton Oiler uh, organization. I won't name them, but uh, a terrific job from you all. And uh, also uh, just... Uh, uh, I w wanted to uh, congratulate the Edmonton Oilers, too, for a, just a, a wonderful season and giving us all the thrills that they have. Uh, but I'd like to end up on a, on a kind of a different note, and that has to do with uh, uh, all the gambling ads that are oh, on, uh, on, on the TV. And... Uh, I think there's uh, some people here, I'm just looking at an article for, that a friend sent me that even though it's May the 20th, it's just to Cohen, Montreal Gazette, and uh, I guess uh, some of us here uh, kind of believe that uh, that's being overdone. Yeah, and yeah, I'm just going to jump in there because I think that's kind of a different can of worms. Uh, there certainly were a lot. I, I know Shea Ganim. I didn't get to hear the whole segment, but when I was driving to cover practice a couple weeks ago, uh, Bob, that's our show from 9 to noon every day. He talked about it a, a, li a little bit. So maybe that's something I can dive into on Inside Sports this summer. He's there, right, there, there were a lot. There were, And, and, and I think time. a lot of them are, are Ontario-specific, but 
they were there were and it, to me it was it, some of them took away from other things they could have been spending talking about because there there was not only just commercials there were segments well there's in-game stuff in-game yeah. stuff where to me I I mean I'm not a gambler yeah, like we joke about it occasionally but, but, but we're not actually when Rob and I say we bet each other we didn't like we don't really joking, gamble yeah. so when I'm watching a game I'd like to hear the guys that are analyzing the game I want to yeah. hear inside scoop I honestly don't understand or care usually about the odds yeah but that's just me personally and but there were a lot you're, you're and it was quite noticeable it was really oh, noticeable. because it wasn't like one appearance no, it, it was, was multiple in yes. the same commercial break yeah. sometimes so yeah yeah, that's uh, that's a interesting call from. But sorry, Bob, I, d- I didn't necessarily mean to cut you off. I just think maybe that's a discussion for another show or, or another night. But I, th- I think everybody noticed. Yes. A few people <laughs> mentioned that to me. Uh, okay, uh, we will call a quick timeout here, and then you'll hear from uh, Mike Smith and Darnell Nurse. Oilers are out. They lose six five in overtime to the Avs. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Arturi Lekkonen scores in overtime. Just a minute 19 in. The Colorado Avalanche beat the Edmonton Oilers 6-5. They win the series four games to nothing. Kale McCarr had five points tonight. Leon Dreisaitl playing banged up. Had four assists. Let's go down to the Hall of Fame room. Post-game reaction from Mike Smith and Darnell Nurse. Mike, uh, uh, clearly a disappointing result for you. Just just your thoughts on how that game went and how back and forth it was and kind of... You know how this result hits you it must be tough i imagine yeah obviously we lost we're done so momentum is a it's a crazy thing in the playoffs and it was no different tonight we had the lead and seems like when we we got the lead they come at you in waves and we couldn't withstand that couldn't get some saves couldn't get the bounces um, and ultimately, you know, they get another break at the end there and win the series. Left side. Hi, Mike. Um, you know, for a team that was out of the playoffs in February, you guys are, well, you went three rounds deep. You're a couple empty netters and an overtime goal from maybe playing in the cup finals. Is it too early to kind of reflect on what you guys did accomplish? Is there, are the wounds still too fresh, or do you have a, a moment to, to reflect on what you guys did? I mean, there's no participation medal. So it, it it's it's very disappointing. It's uh it's hard to get to this point. You know, there's a lot of you know, you look over the course of the season, exhibition games, training camp, eighty two regular season games, you know, the grind of the playoffs to get into the conference finals and there's definitely I don't know, a a loss when you don't make it to the ultimate goal and that's the feeling right now obviously up front mark Darnell you've been part of this thing all the way along uh did you see things in your team you know this year that you've not seen before and maybe you could just tell us how you made it through all these playoff games obviously some kind of injury going on how hurt were you uh first off the group was um a resilient group we uh, start off the year great, go through a stretch where, you know, we go from the top team in our division, top team in our conference to six points out of the playoffs. 
And easily a group could have just quit on each other. I've seen it before. I've seen us get into January and February and, you know, things aren't going our way and it just piles on. Uh, you make a coaching change and sometimes, you know, guys, uh, you know, that, as the group, it showed the maturity in our group that we were able to turn it around. And now, you know, we're sitting in the final four. Uh, you, don't, you don't get to the final four by accident. Our group was, we earned it and, and we got here. But like Mike said, there's there's no participation medals. Uh, we're all competitors. So when you lose, it, it stings because, you know, our ultimate goal is to to win a Stanley Cup and we didn't get it done this year. So it hurts. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, I tore my tore my hip flexor. So just dealt with that for three series. Right side, Daniel. I'll just kind of follow that up, Darnell. How, like, you know, this is a, you guys have been waiting to kind of take steps for all these years and you get to the conference final. How close are you to, to kind of feeling like you, you take that, that final step or to get to where you want to go? Um, we're hungry. We're a hungry group. Um, but with, with all that said, you, you get to the conference finals and Smee just laid it out. There's a long, long road to get back even to, into the playoffs next year. And then the grind begins you know there's a grind to get through that 82 and there's there's another grind to get through one series another grind to get through the next one so our group's just hungry to you know it sucks it stings we didn't we didn't get the job done that we wanted to get done um but we got a hungry group that wants to knows that you know you could take steps but you gotta follow it up back on the left darnell could you you know, all these fans have been watching you play for two months here, clearly injured. The torn hip flexor, is that from the end of the regular season? Yeah. And just, I know you guys don't like to do this, but can you let us in on, you know, how hard it is to play at this level of hockey when you're nursing that kind of an injury? Everyone's banged up this time of year. Our equipment staff, or sorry, our medical staff, thanks, TD, taped it up and some anti-inflams and... You go that you know. There's no excuse when you get to this point in the season. You want to be on your game and, and play at a certain level. So there's no excuse. Everyone's banged up this time of the year. Um, and uh, I wanted to myself personally. I wanted to be better in in, in this series. And it's just add motivation for for uh, summer to come back and and be that difference maker next year. In the middle, Mike. Between Drysaddle playing through what he played through and Darnell playing through it. He, I mean, just, just thoughts on the minutes they played and the grind and kind of, I know it's playoffs and everybody's hurt to a degree, but these seem pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, Warriors. You know, war Warriors, but those are your leaders. Those are your leaders. Those are what other guys look up to. And when you're seeing your top players, you know, battle through injuries and, and you know, throw it all on the ice and give everything they have, then you want to do the same. And But like Nursey said, like there's there's a lot of guys that you probably don't know about that are ice bags and Advils after games. And But that's, when it comes down to it, that's usually who wins is who, who wants to, who wants to put it all out there the most. And unfortunately, we're sitting on the outside looking back in, but it's not out of lack of try. Guys, guys gave it everything they had, and and guys are banged up, and they're still, you know, going out there and and you know trying to win us hockey games. And like I said, it it's uh, leaves a bitter taste in your mouth for sure when you're you know talking about this right now. To be honest, so it's obviously disappointing, but big lessons to learn.
Mike Smith and Darnell Nurse says the Oilers fall 6-5 in overtime to the Avs. The Avs go on to the Stanley Cup final, which, as I mentioned, will be broadcast on 6:30. Ched. They'll play either the Rangers or the Lightning, who play game four tomorrow in Tampa. The Rangers are up 2-1 in that series. Uh, a lot of people to thank. Uh, Andrew Murdoch, our manager of Talk and Talent. John Voss, our executive producer of our broadcast here on 6:30. Ched, thanks for their leadership and support throughout the season. A uh, huge thank you to Troy Bowler, who works in incredibly hard here at Rogers Place as our game day engineer. Behind the scenes uh, at 6.30, Chad, we've had Kellen Kennedy and Angie Quinnell as our uh, studio producers for uh, Oilers Hockey on 6.30. Chad, Kellen is working tonight. Brendan Escott, an incredible colleague who uh, offers me a lot of support uh, getting stuff ready for the face-off show and, of course, is also Bob's producer on Oilers Now and uh, our incredible uh, on-air folks, Jack Michaels, Cam Moon, and Bob Stoffer. Big thanks to them and an absolute pleasure to work with those guys and my colleague now of uh, nine seasons, uh, Rob Brown, who is, has become a friend over the years. Thanks to everybody I mentioned. If I uh, missed anybody, I apologize. So I'll try to get you in person. And thanks to all of you for listening and uh, participating in the show once again. A, uh, a fun Oilers run ultimately doesn't go as deep as, uh, as they would like. You can get more on the game on the team on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. There will be some uh, media availabilities tomorrow with some of the players so uh, tune in to Bob's show from noon to 2 and my show Inside Sports from 6 to 8 to get the latest on that. Okay. Well, we really appreciate it. We've been live in Studio 99 here for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is presented by Friesen Brothers. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.